0: Welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. I am Anthony Piniello, along with Giancarlo Alino and Chris Martelli. And the day has finally come. The Toronto Raptors, for the first time in history, headed to the NBA Finals. Holy shit, I never thought
1: you or I would live or see that, and it's actually come true. Quick stats I want to throw at you, Alino, before we actually talk about the series as a whole. The Bucks in the regular season were first in points per game first in assists per game, and seventh in assists, and they did have the best record in the NBA, 60 wins, 22 losses, and the Raps were eighth in points per game, 17th in assists, and 13th, I mean 17th in rebounds, and 13th in assists, and they only had two less wins than the Bucks this season. and
2: Alino, what were your main takeaways from this series? My main takeaway was that all the pundits, you want to call them, those so-called analysts on ESPN and Fox Sports in the States, they were saying that the Raptors weren't going to beat Milwaukee. This would go seven. Bucks in In four. four. Milwaukee would win in four after those two games. They were the best team in the league. Some were even saying Milwaukee was better than Golden State. They would go to the final and beat them. The Raptors beat them in four straight after losing the two of them. So, I like to know who their favorites are going into this series with Golden State. I'm pretty sure it could be the Raptors, but you know they'll probably go Golden State. Uh, it's funny because
1: throughout the series, everyone's like Bucks in four, Bucks in five, Bucks in six, Bucks in seven, Raps in seven. <laughs> like it's so funny. I've never in all my years watching sports seen an analyst go from saying bucks and 4 to when the series was tied 2-2 going oh this this series is done the raps are winning in 6 how do you go from bucks and 4 to raps in 6 how do you how does that change so i don't know what the raps did after after the first two games nick nurse has done a hell of a job coaching them he probably went to them after game 2 and said listen we're down 2-0 going home just do what you do best you just got to win home court won both games game three was very close double overtime but they got the job done and then that big game five win in Milwaukee I thought as soon as we won that game I knew it was done there I just Giannis looked defeated at times it looked like he wasn't all in it he fouled out in game three he only had 12 points that game so to me the MVP in this obviously was Kawhi Leonard he's continuing to build his legacy as the greatest Raptor of all time in my opinion and he dominated this series throughout it all and most importantly in the fourth quarter of game five and six that was when Kawhi showed
0: up the most it was important the series uh when it started everyone kind of built it like Kawhi versus Giannis but I want to give Lowry some love because he's been here through the hard times since 2011 or 12 whenever we traded for him and you know every version of this team he's been a part of and after the Orlando series I'd say he's been just flawless and he's been a big part of this team as well
1: well looking back at game number one remember we were in the lead the whole game and that was basically because of Lowry he went seven of nine from three 30 points in game number one a lot of people after that performance were saying Kyle's not going to do that performance again and you know what he didn't he didn't drop 30 but he consistently performed he dropped about 15 points every game about five rebounds which is pretty good for a point guard and he dropped about five assists so I agree with Piniello. you got to give Kyle Lowry some love. He's been here through the struggles, and now he's finally getting his moment in the finals, and he damn deserves it. He's played, He played amazing against Eric Bledsoe. I think he outperformed him in this series, and um, he was one of the main reasons why the Raps won, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and even looking at this team, um, from the start, they lost that first game to Orlando. They didn't panic. They went in, one four straight. Then you see what they did in Philadelphia. They didn't panic when they went down, and... That one game where they got blown out. They just went back at it. Kawhi Leonard came back stronger. And again, in this series, with Milwaukee. So this team is resilient. And now with Golden State in front of them, uh, they don't have Kevin Durant. They don't have uh, Boogie Cousins for at least the first game. The Raptors might get OGN and Obi back. So matchup-wise, I like the way this team matches up with Golden State better than what they did against Milwaukee.
1: A lot of people are saying that Golden State... This is a a write-off. They're saying that Golden State's going to win this. But listen, we've heard this before already last round. Everyone said Milwaukee would come in here and steamroll the Raptors. They said Giannis would absolutely decimate the D. The three-point abilities of the Milwaukee Bucks are on par to the Raps, but the Raps just outshot them at the end of the series when all was said and done. Norman Powell coming out, hitting threes. Fred Van Fleet game four to six absolutely insane from three um so again the whole coaching um of mike budenholzer is you're gonna allow a lot of threes but they're also gonna take a lot of threes and that was their biggest downfall because the raps out they just outshot them from game four to six they had more threes they were better defensively and even the bench players outperformed milwaukee's bench when all was said and done and that's a big deal but moving forward Take this in, you probably you guys all probably didn't know this stat. The Raps had the most three-pointers made This like the last the second half of the season and they have the most three-pointers made right now, currently in the playoffs. Wow. So if Golden State Warriors are gonna get a little too cocky and let the Raps shoot the three, by all means the Raps could outshoot Golden State as crazy as that sounds. Because Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry have been monsters from three. And not gonna lie, this guy. Remember last year, we said about Serge Ibaka, awful. He was yeah. shoot, he was not shooting well. This guy, remember when I went to Game Seven against the Sixers, off the bench, dropped seventeen points, four three pointers. So Serge could shoot too. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Raps could actually beat Golden State. I'm not, I'm not gonna say the Raps are gonna beat them handily, but you don't don't count the Raps out yet because a lot of people counted the Raps out and they reverse sweep Milwaukee, the best team in the NBA. So. I think this is gonna be a fun one. I, all I know is that we got it. for me, the biggest X factor in what if is it's Kawhi Leonard. He has to continue here. He has to play his MVP form. And especially with a guy like KDL game one and you're on home court, the fact that we have home court is, is a gift. Because, you know, the last five years, every single win, it feels like it's been Oracle Arena. So now you're at Scotiabank and our fans are crazy. You got to win the first two games. You got to come out. You got to just bring it all on the court. And I think Kawhi Leonard's exactly going to do that. And I think uh, I think I like the first two games for the Raps. I
2: would hope they go crazy. You see what they're charging for tickets? Oh yeah, thousand six hundred is the cheapest ticket <clears throat> in Scotiabank Arena just to sit at the very back. So if I'm a Raptors fan paying them all the amount of money that they're charging, I would hope that they're not showing up like a Leaf game over there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's always going to be expensive, but.
1: Come on, man. It's Golden State. It's the finals. This is the big dance. This is what we've all been waiting for for years, and we finally get it because of Kawhi Leonard. Now, do you guys agree with Messiah Jury's comments? He said that we have the best player in the league, and it's Kawhi Leonard. Do you guys agree with that statement right now?
0: I don't think you can argue against it, given how everything's gone down the last month or so. He's basically been carrying this team, and he is the best player in the world right now.
2: Yeah, he is. Because a lot of people were saying Giannis was, and especially in the East, Kawhi said no. He made him cry and go home. They said Embiid was the most dominant player. He made him cry in Game 7 and go home. So Kawhi Leonard is the best. And if you look at everyone's resume, which one of those players on Golden State can say they led an American team to the final and a Canadian team? That's only Kawhi Leonard. So I'm going Kawhi right now as the best in this playoff series. Now another question before we make our
1: finals prediction how bad does this make the Spurs look now, trading Kawhi
2: Leonard? It makes them look awful because they got Jakob Pertle as the throw-in. Toronto got Danny Green as a throw-in. And they get the best player in the world right now, Kawhi Leonard. DeMar DeRozan is a great shooting guard. But now if you're looking at making the trade again and you call in the offseason, especially after this, and say, I'll give you Kawhi and Danny Green and uh, we'll give you Purtle and DeRozan, they will hang up the phone. So for them to even make that trade and get it, that was a steal for the Raptors. Wasn't that supposed to be Siakam originally? Yeah. The
1: original trade was Siakam, the first, and DeRozan. And yeah. he said, we will give you Pirtle and DeRozan. And he said, okay. This guy went higher in the draft. Take him. Yeah. He'll be better. It, that, well, that's exactly how... That, well, that's, that's where Masai got him. He's like, well, we took Pertle 9 and we took Siakam in the 20s. Don't you want the guy that was in the lottery pick? Don't you want that? And they they did it, and there it is. And
2: I think they wanted OG at one point two, and then they said no, no. And the
1: and the trust between Kawhi and San Antonio's training was never was the worst thing was probably the worst thing I've ever seen. Like they were literally looking at Kawhi and saying, "You're you're clear to you're clear to play, but you don't want to play." And the fact that you say that to your franchise player. That just turned him off right away, and it's like you know what? You think I'm lying to your face? I'm actually hurt. I'm a pro. You think I, I don't want to play my favorite sport? Like get out of here! Like I'm not going to play for your team anymore. So that's I think the morale got so toxic and so bad that I think the Spurs GM was doing anything at that point to get rid of Kawhi. He's like we need a, we need another star. We need Demar Derozan. He still brings that All Star presence. And not going to lie, Demar Derozan, hell of a player, man. Like he's he carried the franchise for a while, but he's no Kawhi Leonard, and um, the Spurs are definitely biting themselves okay. for this trade.
0: The management's a little bit salty. How do you think DeRozan feels about all this? Uh, well, I think he's I think he'd be happy for
1: Toronto. I mean, he is a, he is a he's a pro, so I would assume that if the, if he were to come out on the me- in the media any now and. They'd say, "Oh, how do you feel about the wraps in the finals and you not being there?" He will probably be salty, but at the same time, he'd be like, "That city deserves it. You know, they've been through a lot, uh, and uh, you know, Canada's identity for basketball is only improving now. So it's a big, it's a big time for Canadian basketball, and it's a big time for fans like us to just rem- just take this all in and enjoy it because Kawhi Leonard is a hell of a player. Do you guys rank him in the top five when all is said and done after this year going into free agency?"
2: Yeah. Easily, maybe in top three, top two. He's up there. Wow! And also, like, a couple years ago, Golden State, remember when they played San Antonio and they injured Kawhi? I do. It's revenge time.
1: (laughs) Now, I just want to, before we get into the predictions, I just wanted to bring up the overall stats from last series. Giannis averaged only 22.7, but he averaged 13.5 boards and 5.5 assists. So you can't really say that Giannis didn't do his part here. The only problem for me was that game three where he only dropped 12 points. He just wasn't there. And even in game five, when you're on your home court, you got to do whatever it takes. And in the fourth quarter, Kawhi, uh, Kawhi just shut down Giannis. And Giannis, you are the reigning Well, you, sh- you might be the next MVP, but you just did not come to play in game five. Would you say that Giannis's performance was on Harden's level yeah. of disappointing? Yeah.
2: yeah. It's up there because Harden got all those points against Golden State. This was a the year they should have beaten them, and they f- they choked again like <sighs> their usual every year.
0: You said it before we went on, though, for Giannis. Like, they're progressing every year, that team. So they shouldn't really take it as a setback because yeah. like, they are doing some good things, and the kid's only 24 years old, so...
1: I mean, again, a lot of people, when they look at Harden's performance, he's now 28, 29 years of age. He's arguably in his peak right now offensively. So when you look at what he did, especially in the regular season, averaging 35 a game, which is (laughs) – I I don't think I've ever seen that before. Maybe Kobe was the closest. But when you do something like that and then you go into game five, game six, and you drop like 20 points, that's just – it, it, it can't happen. I mean, he had a streak in the regular season where he dropped 30 points in 20 straight games. So, the fact that you do that in, in the biggest, one of the biggest games of the season, I, I mean, that's why a lot of people are saying that James Harden is, you know, he is the, the, the Mount Rushmore of disappointments. A lot of people are saying he <laughs> is the top guy. You're looking at struggles and you look at chokers, choke artists. You look at guys like Russell Westbrook. You look at guys like James Harden because those guys, they've come to play. And they're MVPs, but when when the brights are when the lights are shining brightest, they just crack. I think if anything,
2: though, like Giannis next year is going to come back scary. Like, he's going to probably go in the offseason. Oh, the look on his face. He's, like, shook. He's going to come back looking like the Hulk, probably. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: He shot 33% from three yeah. in this series. If that guy can get it to, like, 38, 39, the NBA's in trouble. Because if that guy – if he gets a shot – He is the unanimous MVP for me next year. Easily. Easily. I even think this year you should get it.
2: If you look at the way he played during the year and Harden, like Harden didn't really jump out now. When you look at the playoff performance, I would give it to Giannis.
1: Like, if you're looking at, like, even during the series, Kawhi Leonard dropped 29.8 points, 9.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists. The last two games, he averaged no less than six assists in the game, so... Kawhi's court vision in the last three games actually improved. As people yeah. thought that he would become more selfish, they thought he would take more shots in the games four to six, but he actually got more assists in those games. So Kawhi understands what it takes to win, and you know sometimes you have to be selfish and take those buzz, those buzzer beaters like yeah. he did take against the, the Sixers. But game four to six, he was dishing the ball and he was doing whatever it took to win, and that is what the best player in the world does.
2: I'm dunking on Giannis, I was a. Uh poster of iconic moment just saving that (laughs) so now we're gonna get into the finals predictions starts thursday
1: it's in toronto i'm gonna say this right now raptors win it at home in seven games because that is what's best for basketball
2: right now i don't know i don't want to jinx it in a way because like i want the raptors to win but you know what screw it going Raptors are winning in six and oh. they're going to win in Golden State and they're going to rub it in Kawhi Leonard's going to go because he never talks to the media over there he's going to sit down on that panel of ESPN he's going to talk them for an hour just how good this feels to win for Toronto and how much they're all wrong and then he's going to say I'm going to resign with the Raptors yes <laughs> I think I got to stick with the theme here and uh yeah. just go Raps in seven we've made it this far let's get it I don't think it's like one of those years like I think anyone, if they say the Raptors win, it's not like a surprising thing like Cleveland. When they went to the finals and LeBron, would maybe he'll win a game or so. But like the Raptors, I think, actually have a legit chance to take it this year. It's we kind haven't seen this. It's
1: time. kind of funny because you're looking at the last five years and you're looking at Golden State. The first time they won, it was only Green, Curry, and Thompson. And Iguodala actually won the finals MVP. And to me, when you look back at that, Iguodala shut down LeBron so well that series but as the years have gone on i've noticed a theme actually last year golden state absolutely slaughtered cleveland but lebron was literally it was all it was it was him by himself kevin love was not there he wasn't playing well they he really when cleveland won the finals in 2016 that was probably the best finals i've ever watched i kind of see this raps team being that cleveland team in 2016 you have a guy like a Kawhi Leonard who is at the absolute top of his game right now that to me he looks kind of like a LeBron James in 2016 as he's carried the Raptors through all this adversity even game five wraps in the third quarter down by 10 wraps in game six down by 12 in the third quarter they were trailing game five and six heavily in the second half and Kawhi Leonard just said hey guys let's just keep calm I'll dish you the ball I'll get some you know, dunks in there, and we'll, we'll just keep moving. And they kept moving. Nick Nurse was doing the right thing. I thought he wasn't playing enough people. He was playing like eight people at, at some points in the game. And I'm like, hey, these guys are going to get tired. Kawhi played 52 minutes in game three. But a lot of people are counting this Raps team out already. It's like, oh, it's Golden State. They're going to win in five or six. But you got to look at how good Kawhi is right now. Kawhi is on a level that no one else is on. Now, people have been saying that Steph... Absolutely obliterated the, the Trailblazers. He did, but come on, man, Kawhi Leonard right now, all around complete game. He will call series in this one if Kawhi is performing at the level he did against actually all throughout all the playoffs. If this guy continues what he's doing, Raps are easily taking at least two games. And like even if people are saying Warriors in six, that's realistic. But the fact that people are saying Warriors in four and five, and they don't even have KD for game one, it's like. How, like When you look at this Raps team, what are you looking at? Are you looking at all the flaws in the past? Are you looking at the Raps from 2015 or 2016 that they couldn't win a conference finals? No, no, you can't look at the Raps like that because this is a different Raptors yeah. team. This is a team now that knows what it takes to win. You have arguably the most improved player in Pascal Siakam. No one's still taking him seriously. He only averaged 14.5 against Milwaukee. He didn't even have the greatest series, and we still won. Kyle Lowry, like Pinello said earlier, this guy's finally playing. and He's playing consistently, and he's been through all the negatives. And now we finally have a positive, and people are already saying, ah, it's Kyle Lowry's Raptors. They're not going to beat the Warriors. You have a guy like Kawhi Leonard on your team. This is big for me. And the fact that KD and Cousins are injured, I don't know. This is going to be a tighter series than I think a lot of people expect it to be. I'm going to say, again, RAP7, and we'll move on from there. So now we're going to go on to Raw. Talk about Raw quickly because I want to I wanna leave the good stuff for later. So Raw, we opened again with some deja vu. Same thing as last week, basically. You have the super, what's it called? Yeah. The, the, the wild, wild card, card rule. Correct. So Kofi Kingston <clears throat> opens the show, comes out. Seth Rollins comes out. And, of course, Mr. Money in the Bank, Brock Lesnar, comes out. And he basically trolls them you know doing the little boom boxing i like that i've never seen that much character come out of lesnar in a while but what are your thoughts on the opening
2: segment it was basically the same thing yeah it was like why did they even bring him back if he was just gonna come out with speakers on a money in the bank he's got a new shirt that says brock party he's dancing paul Heyman, as soon as the seth rollins music came off just lost it and brock said cut that crap out let's get serious now and then Kofi and Seth Rollins again. Like, why are you copying and pasting segments from the week before? Kofi shouldn't even be on Raw. He's been the WWE champ. SmackDown's his show. So, I think it, if anything, it makes the Universal Title look not as prestigious at all. It's not a wild
0: card rule if the exact same people come out yeah. every single week. <laughs> That's it. That's all you got to say <laughs> for that. Um,
1: when I think of disappointing segments. And you look at what happened Sunday night, pure brilliance. Yeah. Or sa- uh, sorry, it was this. It was yeah, Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday. Pure brilliance. And you see Monday, they try. They want to try and you know even the odds. They want to try and bring the viewership up. You bring out the same segment, the same people, the same WWE champion that's been on Raw the last three or four weeks in a row. And Seth Rollins, I love him, but every time I see him as a Universal Champion come out like, in a segment with Kofi and Brock, I just look at that title, and every time I look at that title, I just think of Brock, and when I see Brock in the ring, I just say, I wanna scrap this title as a whole, I wanna get rid of this title, and just keep that one that's on Kofi's waist, and why don't all of you go
2: for it? Might as well, since he's on both shows every week. Cause, well, makes sense. to
1: me, the stupid red title has been botched from day one. When Finn Balor won it and got injured, that was a sign where I knew things would not work out. And when Kevin Owens won, I thought, wow, look at this. They did the swerve. They had Triple H turn on Seth. Beautiful. Even, uh, even uh, I think he turned on Roman too during the match. So it was great. Kevin Owens is your champ. Let's bring Goldberg back. Goldberg <laughs> squashes Kevin Owens. That basically affected Kevin Owens' Jericho. That was the hottest act on TV. You could have had that for the Universal title. Nope, let's make that for the U.S. title. And apparently Vince hated their Mania match. So then Owens got buried after that. And we'll give everything to Brock Lesnar. And his reign was about 500 days. And the rest is history. And we are now here today. Back. He has money in the bank. And he's going for that title again. So WWE does not learn their lesson. And me being a fan for a while now. It's into the point where... I look at it, I analyze it, and I sigh, and I just keep moving on.
2: I want to just skip Raw sometimes when I see it, and I see the same segment that we saw, same matches even on this card. We saw Ricochet and Cesaro. That was exactly from last week. That was actually a good match. Though. It, was, it was a good match, but if this leaves a pay-per-view, it becomes too repetitive, and then it will take away from the moment of one of them winning. And then the Revival and the Usos now are best buds. They have a whole Memorial Day party. They were, like, at least, this could have been a great feud. No, let's have them all party outside. Eat hot dogs together. That's good. A 24-7 title with R-Truth running around. It is funny, but where is this going when you see EC3, who could be in a main role on Raw, fighting for a 24-7 title, trying to catch R-Truth.
0: Did you see him at that party, like, everyone's up and down, like, yeah, and he's sitting there, like, he's trying to hint, like... He's happy to be employed, yeah.
1: (laughs) Who we see three? Yeah. yeah,
0: like everyone's jumping up and down, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm here too." I can't wait for the segment to be over. But yeah, again, like last week, there wasn't a match until the second hour. Yeah. How do you How do you have a wrestling show and not have a match for the first hour of it? That'd be I don't understand. Analyze and sigh,
1: yeah. and move on. That's where it's getting to the point for me. The next was I don't even want it. Shane came out and Roman's cousin and Drew hit him with the... I don't even know. I don't even want to even get into it. Hit him with his finisher. And then Roman Reigns comes out to an ovation and... Smackdown superstar, by the way. No, I don't understand. And I'm... I've been saying this now maybe for a month, maybe a month and a half. I don't understand where this is all leading with Shane. I don't know if it's leading somewhere special. If he's going to have a special SummerSlam match. I don't know what's going on here. But he has been involved with major superstars since October. And you're now looking on Raw. The Miz has taken pinfall losses. Match after match. And Shane McMahon is coming out here. And feuding with Roman Reigns. On Raw. Not SmackDown. On Raw. And Drew McIntyre now is involved, and he's flip-flopping on SmackDown and Raw. Roman Reigns is flip-flopping on SmackDown and Raw, probably for the ratings, because Roman Reigns brings dollars. And the I don't understand the the um, how unorganized, when I see, like, when I look at the highlights for Raw, because I, I haven't watched Raw in a, in a while, like the live show, because I'm working. But when I look at it, it's like, this is SmackDown. This is literally SmackDown. And then I go to SmackDown and I look at the, the results. It's the same shit. You're not elevating any storylines. Where, like, where is Kevin Owens? Where is he? Where's, all, like, why are guys like Alistair Black, like guys like, like Bray Wyatt now, like I love the little things, but like, can you come out and wrestle now? Like, come <laughs> out and wrestle. So, like, there's just a lot of what ifs. And I just don't have the patience anymore for it.
0: For the wild card rule, it was there to like shake it up and make it interesting. But it's the exact same people, and guys like you said before. Plus, I haven't seen Rusev and Shinsuke. Yeah, that's <laughs> a guy who deserves a, like something. My so God, there's a handful of guys more just suffering in silence. Yeah, <laughs>
2: counting down their days or their contracts. Like
1: even the segment after after Shane McMahon was Brock again. Saying that, oh, I have a year to cash in. Like he no, said, screw you. Like, no shit. Like, you didn't know that? You just won the, the briefcase. You didn't know that. You, How did you not know that? Like, come on, man. Like, it's just stupid shit like that. I love the 24-7 championship, though. Our truth is the perfect guy for it. He's bringing comedy to it. But again, like, that's not going to save anything. Like, what do you... Like, that's not doing anything for the program. It's just a nice touch. That's it. Yeah. But, again... When do you guys think Brock Lesnar is going to cash in if he
2: does? I think the first SmackDown on Fox. Because now they changed it because we saw... Okay, the Ford, Fatal 4 was a nice, refreshing match, at least. I've never seen Corbin, Miz, Lashley, and Strowman in the ring fighting each other. So that one was... I'll take that very small, friggin' sample size of Raw... If you could just put that match and uh, Ricochet versus Cesaro in one hour, I'll just watch that. Um, that was good. Lashley stood out to me. Miz stood out. Corbin gets a win. He faces now Seth Rollins. So that takes out the match with Brock Lesnar, thank God. And you can have Brock for someone else. Makes him, I don't know. Like I wouldn't have him cashing in Saudi Arabia. That would be so stupid.
0: I don't know if you caught this, but uh, during the, the few highlights, the Fatal 4-Way match... They boosted it up as an elimination match. And they forgot about that. And then Corbin pins Miz <laughs> and they end the match. Yeah, they said, oh, he's going to send him to the back. I, yeah. And then. Why?
1: Okay, can I ask why the Miz took the pinfall? Wasn't he like the only baby yeah. face in this? He was. I think. Yeah. Uh, Strowman is a face, but like. Yeah, he's not going to get paid. It's
0: not a face. They went into the crowd and they started fighting and then. I don't know, Miz ran into the end of days and that was it. It just came out of nowhere. And then they ended the match. Well, no one, one the attention. One. Or, like, I don't
1: know. I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, like even like I'm looking here. Becky Lynch and Nikki Cross defeat the Iconics. Since the Iconics have won the tag team titles, have they
0: won a match? I think they squashed local talent one time. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Next question.
1: <laughs> so Cesaro vs Ricochet was good. Uh, it was. This is another typical 50-50 booking. To me, this is exactly what 2015 SummerSlam was between Kevin Owens and Cesaro. You have two great in-ring talents doing nothing, just go and feud and go wrestle. And this to me was a win-win for both. You're getting time on Raw, you're wrestling. And this showcased what Cesaro can do in a singles standpoint and exactly what Ricochet can do. And to me, this was the highlight of Raw. This to me, I graded this of an A. I thought this was fantastic. The surprising finish as well. And you got to have a rubber match, so
0: they're probably going to go at it again. I mean, they should. Last week, they did the, the backstage segment that Ricochet was hurt, and Cesaro made fun of him. So Cesaro beat him in like five minutes, and then they had the match last night, which was solid. So I am definitely not opposed to this feud.
1: Now, in regards to the Fatal 4-Way with Baron Corbin beating everybody, do you think that this is going to be a long feud, or do you think it's just a one-and-done
2: at Saudi Arabia? Probably one and done, because AJ was injured. So once he come, like, gets cleared again, he comes back and goes with Baron Corbin. So I think Seth Rollins and him won't be the greatest of matches. But Seth Rollins will probably win that.
0: Yeah, it should be a one and done thing. I uh, bet the world I'm is hoping. on fire right now because it's Corbin, which I just find hilarious. Yeah. But it's in the Saudi Arabia, so no one's going to watch it anyways. Whatever. I
2: wonder if he's going to say Saudi Arabia's favorite son. That would be a lot of bad media over here in the States and Canada and all around the world. So I think they're gonna hold off on that, just refer to him as a golden gloves champion. No the others. <laughs> Don't stuff, think though. you want to see the other stuff. Now that TV. I'm
1: thinking about it, like over the over the last month, I wish that Kofi and Seth unified the belts. I just wish they did. Oh and they teased it on Raw. Yeah. For like a minute. I wish they did it. They didn't. Now <laughs> now you're gonna have probably Brock cash it on Kofi and then the Summerslam main event that we're gonna lovely wa- we're gonna watch live will be Brock versus Roman Reigns Again. for the WWE title.
0: Yeah they seem to shaft us the the, the four main papers. I mean, you know stars, what? Though. I'm
1: calling that right now. That's what's gonna happen. Brock versus Brock Roman. versus Roman for the WWE title at SummerSlam
0: I'm calling that now. And my prediction would be true because I said he'd be champion. Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm
1: saying Brock's gonna be champion,
2: oh, not no. Roman. No. Well, he'll
1: he'll
0: get back there yeah. then.
2: I and was then. thinking Survivor Series, but yeah, you think SummerSlam? I think SummerSlam. I Either think that's, way, we're regressing yeah. in a big time. Yeah, probably.
1: Okay, so then we have Bray Wyatt introducing the Fiend on Firefly Funhouse. Did this really elevate anything for him? Uh, kind of like it was kind of like a rinse repeat
0: kind of thing. Yeah, maybe, but you know what? Still one of the highlights of the show for me. I look forward to these for the last couple months. And I'm excited how they're going to go about this, how it translates to the in-ring stuff.
1: Now, to end Rob, what were your thoughts on the main event? We saw Sami Zayn come that out and talk and basically call out Seth. He also mentioned AEW, and then they had the match. I thought the match was not that good to close the show, um, but it did its job. What do, what do you think's next
0: for Sami Zayn? Because he's been teased being in the main event scene for quite some time now. I don't think they know what's next for him. I think they're just going to do exactly what they've done the last few years, and he's just going to feud with a bunch of guys. No titles will be involved, and
2: another underappreciated talent. Him versus The Miz would be the best feud on Raw, and it wouldn't even be for a title. I think that's a feud they should do, but they probably won't. They'll probably make Sami Zayn feud with Kofi take the 24-7 title, and then rant on everyone every week. Like that fan, he said he was going to punch in the face. (laughs) Then someone else asked him a question, and he said, oh, don't worry, your question's not that bad. I'm not going to punch you in the face like that idiot over there. And then he mentioned, you could have asked me about AEW. And then after Corey Graves cut him off, he said, oh, don't mention that.
0: The biggest pop of the night. Yeah, just for another company. And I think
2: it's kind of dumb on WWE's part, mentioning the competition. Because when they were in the whole Monday Night Wars thing, they never really mentioned Nitro. Then TNA was around since 2002. They only mentioned them last year because Kurt Angle brought it up. But for you to mention AEW, everybody's going to go on Twitter now, especially in social media this age now. And they're going to type in AEW and they're going to see, wow, that's what happened on Saturday. I didn't know they had a pay-per-view already. They already have shows with Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes. I know those guys. Who's this Kenny Omega guy? I'm going to type his name in. Alright, I'm going to start watching that and I'll screw you, WWE, and everyone takes their business elsewhere.
1: With that being said, (laughs) we're going to go into Saturday. We're going to go into AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view because, guys, to me, after watching that pay-per-view, I don't remember the last pay-per-view I watched from start to finish and was that pleased. I think the last pay-per-view was maybe Money in the Bank 2011 was probably the last time I felt that mm. satisfied after a pay-per-view. Yeah, that's that's very harsh right there. It's nice to see you smile <laughs> again. <laughs> but this pay-per-view, guys, WWE's in trouble. That's all I'm saying, they are in trouble because this was organized perfectly. There was not any flaw in the, the organization of the time or the organization of the matches itself. Everything was just displayed perfectly. There was not a flaw for me, time-wise, in this pay-per-view. Let's start with the Casino Battle Royale. The right guy won it for me. I thought that Hangman Page. I didn't see at first when I made the prediction. I didn't think that pa, uh, Hangman Page would be in this match. So him being in it and winning, to me, was kind of oh, okay, that's cool. Like he, like I expected him to get that that championship match eventually, but he got it right away. He's the first guy to get it. So when you look at like, who the guy's going to be. And you look at who is going to run this company in five years.
0: Is it safe to say that this is the guy, Hangman Page? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'm definitely behind him, you know. You just take one look at him and you think that's everything a star should look like if, you know, you're going to go down that route. He's only, he's still in his 20s. The guy just puts on great matches. He's, you know, very charismatic. Yeah, he's
2: the guy. I like him. I thought he was really good, even though... Uh, he wasn't supposed to be advertised for this match and came in. I thought it was a great pop and great surprise. So to see him win was a nice touch. And he's going to face now the winner of that main event. So What would you think of uh, MJF in this match? That guy's was a character. He's one of my favorite guys who stood out of this whole pay-per-view. He's a year he's younger money. than us. Yeah. And that's he's crazy. money. That is absolutely crazy.
1: And that's I thought I thought it, I thought it was a great way to start the pay-per-view and you already it's perfect too because this match had a stipulation It works the stipulation perfectly. And the next pay-per-view, you already have the match set up. So it's just perfectly booked for me. Um, No flaws in that. But next we had was Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara. Again, I don't know much about them, but I didn't watch it live. I just missed it, but I did end up watching it after. Like I rewatched it and man, both these guys,
0: they're high flyers and I love both of them. Who, Who did you think stood out a little more for you? Uh, Probably Kip Sabian, but I love this match because it's two kind of unknown guys in the wrestling world. And they put them on the pre-show, which is whatever. But the fact that they gave them 15, 20 minutes just to say, look at these guys. Look what they can do. This is the future of wrestling. And it was just awesome stuff.
2: Yeah, they both stood out to me. Like equally, I thought their match was really good. And to have a match like that before when everyone's there and they're all hyped up for the event, it gave you like viewers watching it on YouTube like a little teaser like i can see this for the whole three hours that's coming up so got everyone hyped up for the show
1: yeah exactly i think that's exactly what this match was for it's like there's two guys out there cody probably just looked at them said go prove to all the fans that you guys are unreal wrestlers and you will do anything to you know bring the entertainment to the fans and they did it and they did a great job and with that going into the pay-per-view we started with scu versus the stronghearts and SCU got it done. Um, what
0: were your thoughts on uh, Chris Daniels and Kazarian? How did they look? Those guys are just ageless. I love them, all three of them. Like, the guy's almost 50, and he comes out, and he's so charismatic, and, you know, he hasn't lost a step in the ring. I didn't know either of the other three, the stronghearts. Me neither. So that's a nice to introduce us to them, and it was just an awesome way to start the show. It was so much, such a fun match.
2: Yeah, Christopher Daniels' is money, even at his age, like, even though he's, like, probably 50- Still comes out and he's he's a character. I like him. I just thought that throughout the match, I
1: thought Chris Daniels just got kept getting better yeah. and better and better and better. And when he came out, like when he opened, I'm like, these guys look like the most grizzled up veterans I've ever seen in my life. You see them, it's like, it's like you know, like when like you're playing and like you're like the new hotshot? shot, and, like you see these guys come out, it's like, oh, look at these guys. These guys can't fucking go anymore. Look at them, they're fucking old. Then they go in the ring and they school you. That's exactly what these guys are. So it was great to see that. Great way to start the pay per view, first ever pay per view for All Elite. And then we had a surprise next. Uh, it was a triple threat. It was supposed to be Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker, but then we got awesome. Kong came out. I thought she retired. To be honest, she I know she had a kid and then she left WWE. So
0: what'd you think of this surprise? This was uh, threw me off because Brandy came out. And, like she announced it like i don't want this match to be great i want it to be awesome i'm like where are you going with this and then she comes on like oh yeah awesome kong okay so <laughs> but, yeah, that was a cool surprise the match was fun uh i, I wanted kylie ray to win she's one of my favorites i know everyone's i wanted Britt baker everyone Britt loves Baker's. Britt baker and that did the job there so yeah this was awesome stuff
2: i thought it was good and that Britt baker winning was the perfect booking because she was introduced first as like the start of this whole division so you want to make people aware like she's going to be one of the focal points of it and that win did that. Well,
1: I think um, a lot of this match was based around Britt Baker cuz she was the first female actually signed to AEW. So when you look at I thought this was actually probably the most the more predictable match when I like look at it actually and it's like okay, you have Nyla Rose who is a wrecking ball and you have Kylie Ray who does resemble a Bailey exactly, but when you think of a Britt Baker, I think AEW's Britt Baker is WWE's Charlotte Flair when you look at what they want from a female. I think Britt Baker is going to be the female of AEW, and I think she's going to be a star in the making. And we already saw throughout the match that she was that resilient baby face that just didn't give up, and she got the win. And I thought Kylie Ray was amazing in this, and I thought even Nyla Rose was amazing. Remember, she hinted going off the top rope. I'm like... What are you doing? Why are yeah. you gonna do that? <laughs> so this match to me delivered really well. I, I thought that Britt Baker was the star here. Same with Kylie Ray, but even Awesome Kong did not look out of place. Which, yeah, to me, I think could have made which could have uh, made or break the match, and it, she made the match better. And uh, great start. I also loved how Brandy was there. Just kinda. She came out a few times. Yeah, <laughs> just, just kind of there. So I liked it. I thought it was fun. Next we had was the best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans. This was a tag team match. This was great. I didn't know either of these guys watching it. I knew Trent Barretta, obviously. But I'm watching it and I'm like, who the hell is this Jack Evans guy? This guy's going around, like, he looks he looked like a uh, he looked like a young Paul London.
2: Oh, Jack like Evans.
1: Yeah. So I'm like looking at this guy, I'm like, this guy's kinda of like a Paul London. But yeah, I thought this match was really even. I thought that... I'm not going to lie. I thought Angelico and Evans were going to win. They teased it. Like, there were a couple near falls, but the
2: best friends won. What were your thoughts on this outcome? Yeah, it was good. Jack Evans, I know him a little bit because he was on TNA for, like, a few matches. Like, good part of a X Division series that they had. But, yeah, he stood out. And I think he's almost 40. And he's still able to flip around like that and do those crazy offensive moves. And Trent Barretta, He's good still. Remember him with Kurt uh, Hawkins in WWE, and looks like he's on to bigger and better things. Because you look at where Kurt Hawkins is now in WWE, and you look at where he is in All Elite, so it's on the up for Trent Beretta, I think.
0: Yeah, this uh, they actually gave this match a lot of time. Yeah, more I than thought I thought. Several times, like, okay, this is the end, and then, oh no, but yeah, uh, Evans and Angelico, I think Lucha Underground. That place doesn't get a whole yeah. lot of exposure. That's where they did most of their work and. I thought every match During the show Was just perfectly placed Throughout the card And then we had a surprise After the match Too We did <laughs> Wait what was the surprise? I'm the, trying to remember The tag team debuted I think the Super Smash Bros Oh yeah. name's gonna change Yes <laughs> That's a lawsuit
2: Waiting to happen <laughs> Yes
1: the Super Smash Bros Came out And um That I had like I had like The Wyatt family Type yeah. vibes from them like, I'm I was like, confused I'm like that. the lights Are going on and off I'm like what's going on here? And then they had like that little throne. That was pretty cool. <laughs> They're just sitting us, there. Though. I'm like, I love this. And then, uh, the thing I love the most though, was, uh, when they did their attack and everyone in the crowd is like chanting, they were like, who are you? Like that was a <laughs> chat. Well, you'll find out. <laughs> so I thought that was, it was very mysterious. And I think, you know, the tag division in this, in this company is just retarded. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's only going to get better. Next we had was the six women's, uh, tag team match all the we didn't really know any of the names but i thought this match was actually fun all the all the women in this were very stiff and every single time they slapped each other oh, man. oh my god it looked like it hurt but actually kong's team did not win they lost i thought that they were gonna win for sure she how do you know how old uh, uh, asia kong is because she looks
0: so old uh, she think, could barely move. She's in her mid to late 40s. Oh. Okay.
1: Because she looked like she could barely move in this, but I thought that everyone that
2: was involved in this, they did their job, and I thought it was entertaining for what it was. Yeah. And it introduced everyone to who the... I didn't know like most of them. Like I've never. They had a lot of tongue twister names, so I'm not even going to bother butchering them on this podcast. But, yeah, it was introducing them to maybe some of the new female additions to the roster. If they sign all of them, I don't know, but there's a good chance at least three or four of them will probably be in the company.
0: I'm going to have to look their names up again as well, but uh, I actually love this match so much. I just love Japanese wrestling. They're fucking screaming throughout the whole match. It was just so funny, and they're slapping the hell out of each other, and it's so stiff. I'm like, this is what you need. (laughs) I, I loved it. Up next was,
1: to me, the match of the night, the best match on the show, and what wrestling really... Should be all about. It was Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, oh, and this match, the build was great. the The thing before, I gotta talk about the thing before the match. The little throne comes out, Triple esque throne, and Cody, and Brandy Rhodes gets the sludge hammer under the ring, gives it to Cody, <laughs> and slams it, and it breaks. I thought that that alone made the whole segment for me, that was amazing. And the fact that you then put on a match of the year contender and you made your own brother bleed, 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 nonstop bleeding for at least 20 minutes.
0: Like Ric Flair style. Like
1: Ric Flair style (laughs) bleeding and just the storytelling in this match and the finishers and like like, I love when Cody teased, he did that Stardust move like, I just, I loved everything about the match. I'm, I'm kind of, I have, I have a loss for words, but even like after the match, everything that happened, they kicked. See, this is what's booking is so, it's all about. Cody Rhodes wins the match against Dustin Rhodes. And then after says, me and you are going to take on the Young Bucks at the next pay-per-view. That is exactly what you need to do as... I guess Cody Rhodes, you could call him the new Triple H of AEW. I don't know. You can call him whatever you want. But if you're a COO, that is exactly what you do to book your next show. And the, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it got kind of sad there where he's like, I don't need a... What do you say? I don't need a tag team partner. I don't I need, need a friend. I don't need a friend. I need, <laughs> I need my brother. My older brother. And and Dustin Rhodes just cried, bawled. And yeah, I, I this was probably match of the this might be match of the year for me right now i love this match so much
0: it'll definitely go down as one of them but yeah storytelling at its finest any element of wrestling was involved in that match just uh i don't know how many times i've said it so far but just awesome stuff everything from this card was just flawless and the, yeah that may have been the match of the night i just
1: also i love the brandy Rhodes exit and ddp coming out and oh, grabbing yeah. her and just <laughs> It's just so awesome how everything kind of comes full circle. Like we saw he did the Stardust. um, He did the Stardust Taunt. He did the Disaster Kick. He did the Crossroads. We saw Dustin Rhodes do the Crossroads. We saw him do his finisher. So you're looking at this and it's like this all happened in a WWE ring, but there were limitations. And when you come to AEW, there's no limitations. And we saw exactly what these two could do, and they tore the house down.
2: Yeah, and Dustin is like 50 years old, and he was still, I thought he looked better then than he did in his last WWE run, like the oh, last 100%. year when he was wrestling, and he looked really good in this match, he stood out a lot, his character, a little. I was, actually, I was rooting for him, I wanted him to win this match, because now that you know that they have longer term plans, I thought it would have been great for him to be Cody at this event, and just him coming out, reinventing himself a little bit, changed the face paint, had a different entrance it was like a darker uh tone to this match, and the blood added to it, maybe it was a little too much from him, maybe he didn't have to go to uh blade too close to the bone, but it was a great match, and I thought it's up there with match it probably is match of the night, even what happened after that, but I liked it.
1: I just love how throughout the match, Cody just got more. Vicious, yeah. And he he tried capitalizing as much as he could. Like he saw he was bleeding, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna keep going for the head. I'm gonna do the disaster kick. I'm gonna do all my finishers that revolve your head getting beaten in. So when he finally pinned him, and you know he kind of just stood there in the ring, and he saw how defeated Dustin was, and he's like, oh, is this like a one and because I we didn't know like is this a one and done thing yeah. just to get the publicity for the event? But then after he said you know like you you know you really brought the best out of me you know look at you like you're my older brother you know dusty would be proud i love how there was a dusty chant too before the match started i thought that was very cool and i think even if dusty Rhodes is still alive i think this is exactly how he would have wanted it to go down and even the storytelling of Cody saying this is a generation versus generation match it just it made perfect sense and Cody going over here actually made perfect sense too because I really could like I want as much as I wanted to see Dustin Rhodes beat Cody, I I just could not see this match being better the second time around. Yeah. I just like this I feel like had to be the one time and they had to go all out here and like I'm I got goosebumps watching it and I still kind of get goosebumps thinking about it. But that the, the match was just insane and you're even building up to face the Young Bucks at the next pay per view. Just nothing but good things came out of this. Just nothing but good things. But up next we had was the AEW Championship presentation, where I thought this was actually a perfect time to kind of relax with the wrestling because like you have the bathroom break. Yeah. Believe it or not, Bret Hart comes out to a very—I was—I was surprised. I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. Comes up to the AEW Championship belt presentation, and who comes out? MJF Hangman comes out. And what were your thoughts on this segment? I thought it was—I thought it did the job.
0: MJF is fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is the only thing. That's the only takeaway I have from this. It was just such a funny segment. It was all centered around him. I almost forgot about the title presentation because I was just so focused on MJF for a while. But
2: yeah, that that is a beautiful fucking title. Yeah. <laughs> and then Brett, like, I'm surprised they even allowed him. Like, he, I don't think WWE knew that he was going to do that. He was going to come out and. Uh, Probably when he gets a phone call from Vince McMahon saying, what the hell are you doing on their television and all that, it's going to be a different conversation. But him coming out to that great pop from the crowd was a nice surprise. Hangman Page comes out and then JF interrupts. And he says, oh, great. Right, look, a fan. Oh, my God. And then he just starts laughing like an asshole. And then after he said uh, he went up to the rope, and then you were saying he was better than Hangman Page. Hangman Page was going to go attacking him because he said that horses, what happens, they go out and they get love slaughtered. Easy, 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 seasons. easy, see biscuit, <laughs> easy, easy, <laughs> easy, so easy. I loved uh, yeah. how Jimmy Havoc came out too.
1: I've always been a fan of him. Yeah. Um. But like, I, I still don't know what they're going to do with MJF moving forward. I don't know if – because like, Hangman's in the match now for the belt. I don't know what they're going to do with MJF, but I hope whatever they do with him.
2: He'll make it money. Yeah. I know that. So I'm Maybe not worried. Jungle Boy and him or Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc, and him in a triple threat. And he easily wins yeah. that. MJF's going to win that.
1: Up next we had was when you look at not storytelling, but you just look at the match. This was match of the night. When you look at the just, the just wrestling, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros for the AAA World Tag Team Championships. I actually said to you before the match that I thought the Lucha Bros are going to win this. I thought this was predictable, but... The Young Bucks actually retained here, and to me, the Young Bucks never looked better than what I saw from here. Because the whole build was that they are kind of rusty, but man, the Young Bucks did not look rusty here at all. They looked on point throughout the whole match. I just got to point out, though, how good Pentagon is. I think yeah. that guy is a star, and and Phoenix as well as a star, but man, the Young Bucks... They define tag team wrestling for me.
0: Actually, uh, I really enjoyed this story throughout the match because, like, they purposely messed up just to show you, like, we are a little rusty, and then throughout the next 20, 25 minutes, they just, okay, we'll knock it out of the park like usual and just, you know, the best tag team, the most entertaining tag team in the world, and just, they can do things that... It's like when you play with action figures and you do fucking, like, crazy shit. Like, they, they make that real life. This was just unbelievable. Who was your MVP in this? I had to pick one guy One guy Probably Nick Jackson Yeah That's that's what I
1: was gonna say <laughs> The shit that he was doing Oh my god Even, even <laughs> in Phoenix at times Like the shit he was doing I'm like what How'd you do that <laughs> what? And the amount of near falls at the end I was I was tired <laughs> Watching that I'm like holy shit And I kept looking at Carabeta I'm like okay hey, The Lucha Bros have to win this right They have to get their belts back And then the Young Bucks retain. I'm like okay all right. I guess they're gonna they're gonna continue this, but I guess there's no AEW Tag Team Championships then. No. At not least yet. not right now.
2: Yeah. Oh, they still got some time. They got some time. But October. did you see that Canadian Destroyer? I don't know what they call it, but that Canadian Destroyer on the hardest part of the apron. Oh my God! I thought he broke his neck there. Then Phoenix goes off the rope as one of the Jackson brothers are sitting there. Does one kick? Goes off that rope, springboards into a Hurricane Rana, and the same sequence. I don't know what the hell those guys are on, how they do that, but those guys are insane, and I want to see this match again for the AEW tag team titles. A++ for me in this one, and I'm looking forward to the Young
1: Bucks versus the Rhodes Brothers, because what we saw with the Rhodes Brothers in WWE was pretty good, but uh, AEW, again, no limitations, so I think these two are gonna these, these two teams are gonna just go, they're gonna go all out, and the Young Bucks I think are just gonna they're one of the hottest acts I've seen in a long time as you're just consistently just, you're putting out A-plus matches every time. I could say the same with Okada and Omega. Every time I've seen them, it's A-plus or A-minimum. And that that the, this is just going to transition to the main event. We saw Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, winner-facing Hangman Page for the AEW Championship. Jericho wins this. What were your thoughts on the overall match quality? Because a lot of people were kind of, bashing it they were saying it was a little slow but mind you it is jericho he's like 50 years
0: old but to me this match was perfectly booked in my opinion i was gonna say jericho looked faster than i saw him the last few years because like yeah he's up there in age but you can tell he's been working hard you know the guy's just a grinder and you put him in there with a guy like kenny well they kept talking the whole like jim ross i don't know how many times he said it he kept he kept
1: bringing up jericho's training yeah he's like oh he's been training really hard And he's trying to, you know, stay in
0: shape. And I'm like, yeah, you could tell. I love the match. It was so hard-hitting, and Kenny was busted open early. Yeah, it looked like he broke his nose. The storytelling through fucking most of these matches was just top-notch. And, yeah, this was no different.
2: Yeah, this shouldn't have been, like, a fast-paced match. Because the way this build-up was is that Jericho is like, training. Like, the montages they showed and, like, the whole... Uh, build up that they showed for this match. So Jericho throwing that elbow and like doing all this different stuff to throw something out of the box at Kenny Omega, and he did it. Like, I like how they ended it with an elbow like that. like that's right a, to a, the nose.
1: Apparently, that's his new finisher. Yeah. Yeah, that's what
2: they're calling it the Judas effect. It's a good move. Bam. And then it ends. It's more realistic because, like, if you elbow someone like that, it's gonna do something. And Jericho, the way they made him look in the match, it was a slower one, different kind of pace and what maybe everyone's used to. Like they can't have all these matches where they're all like flying all over the place. So give something different. Kenny Omega though, I just don't like that entrance song. They gotta go back to uh, they ruined his entrance, I think. Well, it was the devil Yeah. It comes out like when he came out it's like the crowd, it's yeah. not like as hyped up as his other one was or everyone's going crazy. So you gotta just change that and we're good. I just thought that the match was amazing.
1: My favorite part was when Jericho did the the lion tamer he put his leg on omega's head <laughs> and i'm like oh please tap please radio just tap out and then of course he does his new finisher and ends it so we're gonna get one of the greatest of all time take on one of the up-and-coming guys hangman page versus chris jericho who would you have win it
0: I'm still giving it to hangman Okay, <laughs> if
2: you're going to give it to Hangman as the first right, AEW no. <laughs> champion. I think you have to give it to Jericho because he's so the most <laughs> recognizable name, and then once you go on TNT, you have to, for the advertisements and the commercials, because we saw during the NBA game, the Raptors and, yeah, Raptors They, and was, Bucks, they were on it, I saw they AEW. They showed the banner, and it's Chris Jericho in the banner with Kenny Omega. They promoted that as a main event. So if they're going to be doing that, which is probably in the fall, when the NBA preseason is on, and... Uh, the NBA regular season starts up a little bit, and they're going to be on TV more. Those commercials, you want the most recognizable name. So Chris Jericho, for me, wins that. And
1: isn't Chris Jericho facing um,
2: Okada for the for the yeah.
1: New Japan? Re- so I think you would be smart to have him win the
0: AEW title and go up against the New Japan champion. That would I think, be, I think. Uh, they're going to draw all these fans in regardless because Jericho did beat Kenny, and his face is everywhere. Yeah. But the next show is not going to be for another few months, yeah. So all fans are all, still going to so. tune in, and yeah. once they are tuned in, and the match does happen, you can still have Paige win. You could.
2: That's yeah. true. That's Because a Fire fun. Fest. I don't think that's there's a. There's no. There's
1: right. no loot. There's no loss here you for AEW. You have Jericho winning. He's the. He's the main face. Everyone knows him. You know this could be a perfect first run with the belt for the company, or you could have the up and coming guy that's going to be your Seth Rollins type guy, where he's going to be there for a while and. He's in a headline, so it's a win-win for AEW, but let's talk about after the match. When John Moxley walks out in the crowd like a Dean Ambrose Shield member, comes in the ring, and attacks Chris Jericho, attacks the ref, attacks <laughs> Kenny Omega, and ends the show. Now, you could say all you want about the rumblings on Twitter that he did. You could say about... Oh yeah, Jericho. I mean, uh, J- uh, Dean Ambrose gonna come back to WWE. John Mox, don't worry, he's gonna come back to WWE. He goes to AEW doing the right thing for him, and he is now apparently having a match in New Japan. Yes. So he is doing the Cody Ro- the Cody Rhodes route, and I think this guy is just gonna start. I think this is gonna be one of the best runs I've seen from an individual in a comp- for in the uh, in the Indies. I think he's just getting started. I think John Moxley knows. That he was underutilized in WWE, and I think he's going to go all out from here. And he is now all elite. So I'm so excited. I don't know what the next program is. I think it's Moxley versus Omega. I want to say it's that. And to me,
0: that's just a dream match waiting to happen. Daniela, what are your thoughts? We fucking lost it when he came out. Like, yeah, he DDT'd the ref and Jericho and then... He, he did it to Kenny, and the second, he threw him out of the ring, and they started throwing fists like Zayn and Owens. were like, oh, fuck, it's happening. This is happening. This is a perfect first feud for him, and I'm just so excited. The most talked-about name in wrestling right now. Like I remember, um, I went on. I think I went on YouTube the Sunday or, the, or yesterday,
1: and Jericho, Jericho talked about it. He said, well, this is a perfect start for us. Like, I'm one of the more well-known names. Omega's one of the best wrestlers on the planet, and you have... Probably the hottest name right now in professional wrestling in John Moxley. So those three alone in the ring to end a segment and end the first pay per view, it's just money. And like I'm gonna say this again. WWE is in trouble. That's all I'm gonna say. Because this pay per view from start to finish did not have one flaw for me. Not one. Yeah. And that's just that's rare in wrestling today. And also
2: another thing making the rumblings. Did you see the all out poster? Da-na-na-na-na. Yeah, I saw the stars. Yeah. They it's never had the no stars before. They're trying to say, oh, you know, it's because of the Chicago thing, but it's kind of identical to a t shirt that he had. So it is. I would look out for CM Punk maybe coming out one day for oh 80 I think I would have to jump ship
0: completely. Four red stars, too.
2: Yeah. Just like on his shirt. And what if <laughs> now, like at All Out, they'll probably do, I think, the world title at All Out? That's in August, I think. We'll End of August. August. Yeah. So. If you do that in August, that gives you time to build up the world title. Jericho wins a world title, let's say. And then to end that pay-per-view, you have oh CM Punk. Like they had with John Moxley. You have CM Punk come out and then say, all right, this will continue, but you have to watch it on TNT.
1: <laughs> I would love to see Punk come out and just GTS Hangman after he wins the belt and close the show with the belt in his hand. And just,
2: Oh, my God. Or what if he starts celebrating with Jericho and they start a... For, like a stable or something. Like it's the Bullet Club in Japan. What if they formed something in AEW with Jericho, and CM Punk, Punk and... You know what they call girls. themselves? The best in the world. Yeah. Maybe put MJF in there because he comes out with a scarf like Jericho. Oh, I would love that. Those two together? Oh, my God. This is my protege, MJF. MJF, let's go out there and kick some ass. It's like, bring your scarf. They all go out with the scarves. Sell scarves instead of t-shirts. <laughs> But overall, after all is
1: said and done, AEW, what would you grade the show out of 10? Is it a 10 out of
0: 10? It was a perfect show from top to bottom. I, don't, I didn't see one flaw in it.
2: No. Yeah, I thought it was good. Great show.
0: So moving
1: forward, if you are WWE, what would you do differently to try and balance out? Because right now, AEW to me... It's it's a completely different experience and for the better. So
0: if you're WWE, what would you try and change? Well, just for themselves, they have to change a lot because the product is obviously not good, but they shouldn't play off AEW. They just need to focus on themselves. And, uh, you know, competition is great for everyone. Everyone's going to boost their game up regardless, but just focus on putting on a good wrestling show. Don't look at AEW and be like, oh, they did this, so we have to fucking one-up it. Yeah. Just stick to the game plan.
1: See, I thought after after Saturday's show and I'm looking forward to Raw, I'm like, okay, they they have to do something different. (laughs) No. And they didn't. They literally didn't. So, I don't know if it's Vince who's still being stubborn and saying, hey, I want everything my way. But, like, what Triple H did with NXT, I think you just have to hand the keys to him, be like, Triple H, here, here, take it. Run my company now because whatever you're doing in NXT is gold. Just do it with the main roster. And then you'll have a, a WWE that everyone will watch again. So... I think For me, the, that's oh, it.
2: Yeah. With Vince McMahon, he's been around a few uh, different uh, threatening companies coming up. So I think he's just going to wait till they have the TV first. And then he'll go into war mode and say, okay, I need this guy, this guy, this guy. Come over here. We're going to change the direction. I'm going to go chase out writers. I'm going to go have brawn panty matches and ladder matches and infernal matches and hardcore (laughs) matches. And that's when I think he'll go into panic mode. But right now, I think he just doesn't care. There's the first move that I would make for WWE is to get Tessa Blanchard. That's the first thing I would do.
0: I think she'd rather be all elite. I think so, so too. too. Yeah, (laughs)
1: obviously, but... We've got to wait and see. Maybe Scarlett Bordeaux will go to WWE, but she's definitely going to All Elite. That's, for
0: me, a given. If they're going to bring back bras and panty matches, and
1: yeah. There's Scarlett. Right. There it won. is. There it is. She's the young, she looks like Tori Wilson, kind of. Like a Tori Wilson and a Kelly Kelly put together. Oh, my. But yeah, that's basically it for this week. AEW's done. NBA's done. And WWE's done. <laughs> they're actually done, though. I don't wanna watch them anymore. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But that's it for this week though. Make sure to tune in next week when we talk about probably the same shit, talk about Raw, talk about SmackDown. And uh, Hopefully, hopefully the wraps Hopefully the hopefully the raps are ahead in the series. Stay tuned, boys.